What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's time for Clips and Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Just call me Swanee. Finally, Clemson Sports Talk has come back to drive time. Hello, everybody. Lawton Swan back in the saddle. Once again, it is the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson Sports Talk for you each and every afternoon as you make your way around the great state of South Carolina and beyond. Hanging out with us on fantastic radio stations like Fox Sports Radio 1400, The Midlands Sports Radio 100.1, The Fan in Florence, and 920 AM, The Fan in Manning. Good to have each and every one of you here, and thank you for being a part of the show. Your website, ClemsonSportsTalk.com, where, by the way, we got a little giveaway going on. If you are not someone who is a part of our Facebook following, go over there. Make sure that you like our page. Make sure you share our post about the free T-shirt, and then ultimately make sure you sign up for a newsletter and you give yourself a, a give yourself a few chances to win one of our national championship t-shirts that's going to be awesome to give those away over on our facebook page 8034500086 that is your text line that is now your phone line if you call it leave us a message and then we will get to play your audio here on the program in just a little bit well Again, yesterday's show, uh, certainly a, a unique one, a unique time. Uh, the conversations that people are, are having to have right now uh, have made a lot of people uh, uncomfortable in a lot of respects. But as we've been saying, get comfortable being uncomfortable as uh, change is certainly on the horizon. And I, I think you're beginning to see more and more of that. But Dabo Sweeney yesterday spoke for about 14 minutes uh, on the social issues that our country is currently facing, uh, on the social issues that many of his athletes face on a day-to-day basis. And we don't typically give you the entire you know, conversation, speech, uh, or, or whatever from Dabo Sweeney. We tend to slice that thing up. But this is Dabo Sweeney, uncut, wide open, 
13 minutes and 56 seconds. Again, it's available for you on ClemsonSportsTalk.com, but we also wanted to run it for you here today on the show that shakes the Southland. Here's Dabo Sweeney. Hey there. Uh, been a lot of words spoken this week, uh, some helpful, some hurtful, and I want to take a second to address some of that. Uh, this is a historic time in our world and in our country. And as a coach and as a team, we will do our part to create positive change against racism of any kind, social injustice, and police brutality. I always have believed that actions are a lot louder than words. And I love our team for the actions that they have already taken uh, with a great town hall meeting. Uh, lots of communication in our position meetings. Uh, we had a wonderful senior meeting last week with just great discussion and, and just, just awesome to see uh, and hear our young men uh, speak and, and just wonderful brotherly love. Uh, we've got a team meeting uh, coming up and many other things. Uh, so I'm proud of the actions that our, that our guys have already taken. Uh, we're just a football program. And I'm just a football coach, uh, but Clemson has been a leader on and off the field for the past decade. And we will continue to be a leader and a light for many. We are a unified football team and we will work to unify others by how we serve, by how we play the game and by how we do our jobs as a staff. We have always had great leadership within our program. And man, this team is no different. Uh, it has been incredible to see this brilliant group of young people uh, lead right now. And uh, I'm so proud of them. This group of leaders on this team, they are ready to lead the way in being a part of the solution for this country. And I stand with my players and I will help them any way I can to unify people and help create positive change. I want to address a couple of the, the issues that were talked about this week. Uh, first of all, I would say anybody who has been in our program, they know that there's two words I don't want to hear. There's a lot of them I don't want to hear, but there's two in particular that I will absolutely call you out on. One is the N-word and the other one is GD. I would fire a coach immediately if he called a player an N-word. No questions asked. That did not happen. Absolutely did not happen. It has not happened. Uh, a story broke this week and uh, the story was not in context, but what happened was we had, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, it was a coach and his player, Coach Spearman and DJ off doing a drill in a part of the field. Wasn't in front of the whole team or anything like that. And Coach Pierman was correcting DJ, didn't do the right thing. And I think DJ or, or the other, another player was talking to DJ or DJ was the other player. And DJ, you know, just kind of, you know, said something he, he probably shouldn't have said. And uh, he said, you know, I blocked the wrong effing N-word. Um, and Coach Pierman, you know, thought he was saying it to him. And he's mad and he reacted and, and he basically – in correcting him, repeated the, set, the, the phrase. And he said, we don't say we blocked the wrong effing N-word. And he repeated it. And, and, uh, and he shouldn't have done that. Uh, there's no excuse for even saying that. It doesn't matter what the context is. But there is a big difference. Uh, he did not call someone an N-word. And so, again, I didn't know anything about it. 
things happen. There's a lot of things I don't allow in our program, but when things happen, uh, we deal with them. Sometimes it's in private, sometimes it, it's public. Uh, this particular case, the player came to me in private and we handled it in private. And I think it's important to know uh, because every case is different, but this particular player, uh, DJ, <laughs> I've known him his entire life. Coach Pierman's known him his entire life. Uh, but uh, he brought this to me in private, told me what happened. I met with Coach Pierman. He was profusely apologetic, and he told me exactly the same thing. Uh, also consulted with Coach McCorvey on it, and uh, uh, we moved on. Uh, Coach Pierman apologized, and we moved on. Uh, and, and I think it's also important to know uh, this player's dad, he and I have worked together for going on 18 years. He's been my strength coach for 12 years. And uh, uh, the Greenlee family, they're family. And so, uh, you know, there wasn't anything swept under the rug. There wasn't some dirty secret. Uh, we handled it uh, head on. Uh, and also we'll say that forgiveness and grace, I think is important. It's important uh, for any of us. Uh, but I've known Danny Beerman for 30 years. And Danny Pierman is a good man. He's had incredible relationships with his players. You can call Dwayne Allen. You can call Jordan Leggett. You can call Brandon Ford and, and on and on and on. He's had great relationships with his players. Uh, so uh, this was totally out of character, but we dealt with it and we, and we moved on. Um, we have great communication within our team and uh, uh, you know, it was handled. Uh, the psych sit in. Um, we had players participate in a psych sitting, and I would never uh, tell someone that they could not go participate in something they believe in or exercise just their basic right. I would never do that. But as a coach, our job is to teach, to educate, to protect, to inform, and uh, consulted with the staff. And I stood in front of the team, and, and the only thing I said to the team was, it "Just if you're going to participate, make sure." You know what you're signing up for. Make sure you know what the agenda and the message is, the fine print, if you will, uh, because you're not going to be Johnny Joe the student and, and go over there and just blend in. If you go over and you participate, you need to be prepared to be on the news and on ESPN and so forth uh, because of who you are. So just make sure that it's something that you really know what you're getting involved in. That was the only thing I, I, I said. Uh, the music. I was actually hiring Mike Reed, who is my now DB coach and has been since 2012 um, and was touring around and, and we were down there by the locker room and there was really music blaring and really every other word was an N word. And, uh, and, and it was disappointing. And, uh, and I was embarrassed, uh, especially with coach Reed walking him around. And so we had a team meeting uh, and what was said this week is absolutely false. Um, in fact, the player who was playing the music, he called me this week saying, coach, this is crazy. What an this is an absolute lie. And I said, I know. Uh, but anyway, uh, I stood before the team and, and as I always do, I said, guys, I don't want to hear that word. And I'm, I'm trying to walk a coach around and I'm hearing uh, the N word over and over and over. Never did I repeat that word. So I wouldn't address that. And then the, then the last thing is, um, I had a t-shirt on uh, that someone took a picture uh, of me uh, that asked to take a picture. And it's a shirt I've had for a couple of years. It was given to 
pretty much every coach uh, by the National Football Foundation. And, um, uh, you know, that's been their promotional thing, I think, since all the way back in 2014. Uh, and I would just say any insinuation that I was trying to mock the Black Lives Movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, it is just an attack on my character, just an attack on my character and, and, and really sad. Uh, but I also will say I wholeheartedly support Black Lives Matter. In fact, I don't quite think that's adequate enough. I think it's, I think Black Lives significantly and equally matter. To me, just Black Lives Matter is kind of like, hey, we matter too. I think Black Lives significantly and equally matter. All right. God loves us all. None of us are better than anybody else. It doesn't matter what the color of our skin is, where we're born, any of that stuff. All right, in the eyes of God, we are all equal. We're all first team, we're all five stars. Uh, we all got an eternal contract. And that is what I believe. And again, actions are, are, are much louder than any words that I could say. And I will tell you, I've always loved my players. I'm tough on them, but I love them deeply. And this past week, it, 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 has, it, has, it has hurt. It has, been, it has been hurtful to see the pain in my players, to hear it in their voices. I know they're hurting and, and they have pain for what's going on in this, in this country, in this world. And it's also hurtful to see our program be attacked. But I know, and what I've lived my life by is God never says oops. God just says ops. And you know, we have opportunity to grow, to learn, to listen, to get better, and to get stronger. And that's what we'll do. For 31 years, I've been in college football. 31 years. I've been coaching since 1993. And man, I, I, I've had some great young men that I've had the privilege of coaching. Young men that have gone on to be doctors, lawyers, CEOs, preachers, policemen, secret servicemen, coaches. Bunch of coaches out there, a bunch of coaches on my staff that played for me. But more importantly to me, a lot of great husbands and a lot of great fathers. That's my calling. My calling is to coach, to teach, to inspire, to motivate, and to lead with love. I'm going to continue to do that. And I hope that my life has been my action. I'm not a politician. I'm not an elected official. Thank goodness. But I do know, I do know. All right, that I have been able to play a part in helping to create generational change for many young black men that the good Lord has entrusted me with. I've been able to support them and help them create the change in the life that they wanted. When I got this job in 2008, the very first thing I did, the very first thing I did was hire Jeff Davis. I was interim October 13th and on October 14th, I hired a guy named Jeff Davis. He was my neighbor. He's a great man. And I told Jeff, I said, Jeff, I don't, I, I, I want to create a player relations program. I don't want to, I don't want to, anybody that's going to be coaching football, I want you to help me coach life. I want to equip these young men with the tools they need for life. I want to teach them personal growth and social development and life skills and career development and, 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 and all these things. And man, Jeff Davis when we started together, and he's been with me every step of the way, and he created Paul Journey from that. And it's unbelievable. Now we have five people, and that's all they do every day is serve our players and help create 
generational change through what we do here with this game of football. The next thing I did when I got the job, December 1 of 08, is I hired one of the greatest men I've ever known, and that's Woody McCorvey. Woody McCorvey uh, is not just a great black man. He's one of the greatest men in this country. And I, I told Coach McCorvey, I said, Coach, here's what I'm looking to do as a program, and I want you to come alongside me. Coach McCorvey's been a father and a mentor for me for 30 years. He was my coach at Alabama. Now was a GA for him. And then I was his receivers coach when he was the offensive coordinator. And I wanted him to come alongside of me and help me build a, a model program in college football. And that's what we've been able to do, a program that truly loves, serves, and cares for its players. We created a family atmosphere. We've created a program that has great communication, great trust and respect. Everyone knows what our common purpose is, and we have a genuine appreciation for each other, whether it be the bus drivers, the people that clean the building, uh, the walk-on player, whoever it is. We have worked really hard to establish that type of program, and we will continue to do that. We have layers of communication from our staff meetings to our senior leadership meetings to the Sweeney Huddle, the Sweeney Council, the Paul Journey Ambassadors, our accountability teams. We have lots of communication, and we will continue to communicate and continue to get better. So we have much more work to do, but we have taken a lot of action over the past decade to help create change for our players and our community. And we will continue to do that. As I said earlier, this is a historic time, a historic time. And the time for change is now in so many areas that have affected our, our black uh, players and their families for many, many years. And again, we're just a football program, but we will do our part uh, to create great change in this world. God bless you. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen, the entire conversation from Dabo Sweeney yesterday, uh, giving his thoughts on the positive changes that can come from uh, everything that is currently going on and building a path forward. What's incredible to me about this whole deal could, and I said yesterday, I, I knew Clemson had more coming. I still believe there will be more coming. And when you are the, the face and the front-running team in college football, you've got to be out there as much as anybody showing that, hey, you know what, uh, this is something that's very important to us as well. And I expect Clemson to, to, to be you know, on that stage and uh, have that mentality when it comes down to doing what's right uh, for the injustices that uh, are out there for so many people. And so from that standpoint, hearing those words, I am incredibly disappointed in the number of people who are still saying that Dabo Sweeney's not doing enough, hasn't said enough. And, and I, I can't, you know, I was talking to several of my friends yesterday about this and uh, you know, these are, these are, black individuals that I spoke with and they said, I don't even know why he speaks. I don't even know why Dabo talks because no matter what he does, it's never enough for people and he's always going to be criticized. And and there were a few things in there that Dabo said that me and my buddies had conversations about that um, you know probably aren't exactly accurate. I mean, yeah, he is just a football coach and it is just a football team, but he's bigger than that and his impact is bigger than that. 
And to believe that he's just a coach and to believe that it's just a football team sort of takes away from all of the great things that he mentioned at the end about what Clemson does uh, to help all of these young men, not just on the field, but off the field. And, and the, the mentorship programs and the things that they put in place with Jeff Davis and, the, and Woody McCorvey's influence uh, in those uh, young men's lives. And so from that standpoint, they are more than a football team. And Sweeney is more than a football coach. But for crying out loud, if you are, if you had a problem with what Dabo Sweeney said there, I, I don't know what more he can or can't say. I know there will be more that's going to be done, but we are in an era where every single thing is picked through with a fine-tooth comb, and I, I don't think that's necessary, especially, again, when you're talking about trying to do and say the things that are right. No man is unfallible. No man is perfect. Dabo Sweeney certainly is not. But if you don't believe that his best interest is in that of the players and the student-athletes, I think you missed the boat. And there are a lot of people out there that still believe that Dabo Sweeney was way off base with his comments yesterday that you just heard. Unbelievable. The show that shakes the Southland, Clemson Sports Talk, Lawton Swine with you on a Tuesday afternoon. Again, you heard Dabo Sweeney there. Uh, just kind of went through some of the notes and you know, thinking about what was said. And again, you want to go hear the whole thing again, ClemsonSportsTalk.com. That release coming straight from uh, Clemson University and the Clemson University Athletic Department. Dabo Sweeney said this, and and... I, I think, and again, I am amazed, as I mentioned moments ago, I'm just amazed at the number of people that say, well, <laughs> doesn't get it. Maybe I don't get it. Maybe I'm in the dark. But, uh, you know, he said he, doesn't, he didn't want to create a football program. He wanted to create a player relations program and a program where they set these young men up for success, creating, as Dabo Sweeney, I believe, called it, generational change. Not just a place where you come and play football, fail to get an education, fail to get an opportunity to do something with yourself, and end up back home in your, you know, where, you, where you started. For Dabo Sweeney, this is a big, you know, it's more about football. I mean, it's more about life than football, excuse me. <laughs> but what's incredible is former football players have been... And, and not big name players either, but have been guys that have thrown around unsubstantiated comments that have been dismissed by other people who are right there. But yet Dabo, to some people, is still the bad guy. And I, I said earlier in the week, and, and I guess last week, when you flip that mic on and you have to talk, it's hard to hit all the points you want to hit it's hard to be exactly accurate. I don't even think he nailed everything he could have said in the, the thing you just heard a minute ago. But what he did nail for me was the fact that the program at Clemson is what I often talk about to you that it's become, and the reason it's one of the most powerful programs in the country, one of the more sought-after 
scholarships is not simply because of the opportunity to win national championships. It has become a player relations program. The Paul journey, the opportunities of internships that so many of these players have gotten. And and again, I don't I do not say that as if those same opportunities don't exist at some other programs too. But creating that change begins with the vision of the person at the top. And Dabo Sweeney had that vision. And Jeff Davis helped institute it. And now, as you heard Dabo Sweeney say, they've got five people that do that job every day, solely. I still believe and I will continue to believe, and Coach Sweeney may not like this, but as I said, it's not just a football program. It's clearly more than that. Not just to you or me or fans of programs, whether this is Clemson or South Carolina or Georgia. If you are doing the things the right way, and I'm, I'm not saying anybody is or isn't here in terms of those other programs. I'm saying in general, no matter what school, if you're doing things the right way and in the best interest of the student-athlete, not just on the Saturdays where they bring tremendous value to your program and you and create value for themselves also at the next level, But if you equip these guys with the tools necessary to be successful, we do live in a country where everybody, everybody has an opportunity out in front of them. I taught for many years. I told my students that every day. You could be whatever you want to be. Now, some of the hurdles that some people may face versus someone else, that those hurdles exist. Some of them are thrown up in front of you. Some of them are just naturally occurring. Some of them you throw up in front of yourself. But everybody's got that opportunity, and that is a beautiful thing. And some of the players that come into Dabo Sweeney's program would be just fine with or without college football. And, that the, and I'm talking about white, black, yellow, green, purple, blue, or violet. Doesn't matter. Some of those guys without the sport would have been spectacular. Some of those guys without the sport may not have had much opportunity. So sports has clearly created opportunity. So sports has clearly created opportunity. And players uh, at Clemson, unlike maybe some programs across the country, are given even more opportunities through the enhancement of the Paul journey and everything that Dabo Sweeney has built into that experience for the student-athlete. And to listen to that conversation and your takeaway is, man, Sweeney misses the mark. I, I don't know. I, I, am, I, I am willing to listen. 
But everybody I talked to yesterday was like, well, I don't know what the national people you know want to hear from him. I really don't. And I, I would not envy that position in the least. 8034500086 but as but as Dabuswin said generational change has taken place in his program and let me say this too it's not all about coach Sweeney just like a player that's not at school just like the player a player that's not in college just like an individual that's just trying to work their way by dude you got to have want to as well you got to have want to even if you're on a major college program with all of these program you know with all of these other ways to facilitate success potentially in life you still got to have some want to but if you have that want to there'll be hurdles but everybody has a chance to be successful what Dabo Sweeney wants to see is justice and equality for everyone as well. And it's a very valid point. Clemson Sports Talk on a... Tuesday afternoon, Lawton Swan hanging out with you. The NBA getting set to get back after it. I know uh, a lot of people out there excited to get some sports in their lives. Well, the NBA will get things underway beginning on July the 31st. The finals will begin on September the 1st. So you get a little over a month of basketball, and then you get into the NBA Finals. Now, it's a 22-team setup the way they've done this, and what I think is very unique about it, in my opinion, is the fact that when you look at the distribution of the teams... The Eastern Division is 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 a train wreck by comparison to the West. And the West has always well, okay, I'm not gonna say always. You, you never wanna you never wanna talk in, in that sense, but the West has been in recent years much stronger than the East. It, it's part of the reason that people will shout to the you know shout as loud as they can that LeBron James really isn't that great and that he just ran through a trashy east to get into the NBA finals for so many years. Well, now with LeBron out west for a second season, uh, the route to a championship and, and a route to the finals even uh, is seemingly much more difficult. But the way they split this thing up, they essentially took the the top 22 teams. And to give you an idea of how skewed it is, from the standpoint 
of the East versus the West. Uh, in the East, there are only nine teams. And as a matter of fact, the ninth team, which is the uh, Washington Wizards, is the 22nd team in this you know in this entire is in this entire deal so what that means is is that there are five teams in the west that are actually better than <laughs> incredibly every team i guess you would say every team in the east overall and so there's there's 13 teams in the west and nine teams in the east and again it's going to be about a month of of nba goodness leading right into college football season so i know uh, people are excited about that opportunity being presented to be able to watch some television and see some guys like uh, LeBron James and and others getting back after it. Now there is an interesting dynamic, depending on how the playoffs set up, and I haven't quite wrapped my mind around how that's going to take place. But there is a chance the Pelicans, who have Zion Williamson, of course, the the rookie monster, so to speak, uh, just on the outside of the eighth seed in the West. The Lakers are the first seed in the West. There's a chance, I guess, that LeBron and and Zion could end up hooking up in the playoffs. But the Wizards, again, going back to my point about the East, are 24 and 40. They're the ninth seed in the East. The following teams in the West are ahead of them. The Suns, the Spurs, the Kings, the Pelicans, and the Blazers. So it's a West-heavy rekindling of the NBA season. The Bucks are the overall number one seed. They're 53 and 12. They're in the East, Milwaukee Bucks. And the second place team in the East is the Toronto Raptors, the reigning champions, minus Kawhi Leonard. They are 46 and 18. Now, what's incredible about that in a couple of ways is one, the Clippers with Kawhi are the second seed in the West behind the Lakers, but the Clippers are actually have had a you know, a, a worse season, so to speak, uh, given the overall record of 44 and 20. Now, again, you weigh the weight of how good the West is versus the East and maybe the two best teams, and the odds would show uh, that the Los Angeles Lakers are the favorites to actually win the title. Uh, the Bucks are second and then the Clippers. But the, the, the broader point being here, we got NBA action coming. It's only 22 teams that are going to be involved. The playoffs are going to begin August the 18th. The season or the the season is going to kick off on July the 31st. There's a possible play-in tournament for the number 8 seed that will be held potentially on August 16th and 17th. And so there're going to be eight quote-unquote regular season games per team that will determine the playoff seeding. 22 teams playing in Orlando, going after it. Giving you giving you some NBA basketball, uh, all of the big names that you love, minus Steph Curry and the the Golden State Warriors, they're not in it. But here's a rundown briefly 
uh, of who is in the playoffs. We'll begin with the East, one through eight, the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, the Heat, the Pacers, the 76ers, the Nets, and the Magic, and then the Wizards, that ninth seed. Then over in the West, there are 13 teams, one through eight in terms of seeding right now, the Lakers, the Clippers, the third seed, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the fourth, Thunder at the fifth seed. The sixth are the Rockets. The seventh seed, Mavericks. The eighth seed is the Grizzlies. Then you got the Blazers, the Pelicans, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Suns. That's what you're looking at. 22 teams. The NBA. T-minus a month in, what, three weeks or so? Right there at the end of July, getting ready to rock and roll, giving them another opportunity, I think more time away. Uh, still from the, the COVID-19 stuff, we see cases are up. Um, not surprising, I would say, coming off of the Memorial Day weekend uh, recently. I think cases are going to rise further because of uh, the recent protests and, and uh, marches that we've seen. So uh, still, as I, I said, I'm going on a monthly basis. June 1st, I said we'd play college football. I'm going to hold firm on that right now. And July 1st, I'll give you an update on where I stand Uh, from that perspective. But it sounds like we're going to get NBA basketball beginning on July 31st. And that feels incredible. Clemson Sports Talk, your website, ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Again, the show that shakes the Southland each and every afternoon. Having a good time, not only in the Midlands, the PD, and the Low Country. Looking forward to uh, the NBA coming, giving us some more storylines, things to follow. Uh, it has been, uh, you know, a a a difficult time without sports, certainly, but then uh, so many uh, different conversations out there as well about. Uh, different aspects of uh, Clemson University. I know Nuke Hopkins has called for the changing to the name of the John C. Calhoun uh, Honors College. Uh, I I did some research on that, and I've had thoughts in the past on, you know, the renaming of Tillman Hall that I've shared with you all, and and we can certainly get back into those conversations as well. But uh, from the standpoint of the John C. Calhoun Honors College, one, I know changing it would be very easy. Uh, That only became the Calhoun Honors College in 1981, uh, the John C. Calhoun Honors College. So it's not as if that's not something that could be done fairly easily. But what I do go back to when it comes down to the renaming of the buildings and uh, Tillman Hall and I think Ben Tillman's historical um, record, you know, if you don't know it, you can look back on it and it's it's not a good one. But I always am hesitant on some of the, those things because I often say, well, where do we stop? You know, and... And that's the thing, because I do believe that based on the the year, well, I'd have to look back. I have to look back. I don't want to. I don't want to say that because that's not that's not right. 
Um, but I think depending perhaps on what year things were renamed, like when the main building became uh, Tillman Hall, could bring up whether or not that's an argument that needs to be had and something that needs to be done. And, and, here's, and here's why I say that. I never want our lives, me, you, I never want to be judged by tomorrow's standards, expectations, or whatever. And I, because I think that's a dangerous area to get in. I know that there is a lot of pain for a lot of people. And, you know, I just don't, do we stop at the Washington Monument? Do we rename Washington, D.C.? I mean, there's so many things that I, in my brain, I go, and I I try to wrap my mind around it. But I think the best way to put it for me is I don't want to be judged by tomorrow's standards. And I'll give you a prime example that could exist. Let's say, for the sake of Nuke Hopkins for a minute, since, you know, he's kind of out in front on this thing. And again, I think with the renaming of the Honors College, I, I don't have a problem with that at all. It was, it, was, it was changed in 1981. And in 1981, I believe, even though that's been nearly 40 years, I believe as um, citizens and as people, we should have been able to look at John C. Calhoun and go, yeah, the track record's kind of rough. You can't do anything about the house. <laughs> I mean, that's where he lived. You can't, you know, there's certain things you can't change. But from the standpoint of being judged by the future and future generations, l- let's pretend for a minute that Nuke Hopkins goes on to have a great career and there's a street named after him. And you know, right downtown Clemson gets named, you know, DeAndre Nuke Hopkins Boulevard. But then in 200 years, football's considered, looked back on as a violent sport that only the, you know, the worst of society would have, have played. I'm just making this up. You know, do you want to get judged by what the future you know, how the future sees what you did, because I I don't think I want, I, I don't want to be judged by what, the, I hope that I'm living up to the future standards of what human beings will want. I try, I try, I think, but I want to be judged by today's standards. And, and that's all I think anybody can really ask. And so it's so hard to retrospectively, in my opinion, wrap my mind around where it would stop. And I, I certainly don't want us to forget the past because we need to learn from what happened. And even sometimes looking in that mirror, it's a sad state and it was ugly. But how to fix the problems or the changes from the past and by renaming buildings, I, I don't know. And I know there's a lot of law and litigation that would go into that too. But what I can tell you, this is something that I've stood by. I never want to be judged, my life, your life, our lives in 2020. I don't want our lives to be judged 
by people in 3020 because we were doing the best that we knew how to do right now. And that's kind of where my mind is. I'm just living my life in 2020. And I certainly don't want to be judged by the way I lived uh, by people 200 years from now. That, I think, is a dangerous thing and something that we have to consider. I don't pretend to have the answers. I am more than willing to listen. But I like being judged on my time right now. And I hope I always will be. And I hope I live a good life. Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan on Columbia's home for sports. Fox Sports Radio 1400. It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Just call me Swanee. Hour number two. That's drive time right here on the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson Sports Talk each and every afternoon as you make your way around the great state of South Carolina and beyond. Hanging out with us here uh, on a Tuesday afternoon as he does from time to time. Our good buddy, (laughs) our good buddy Mike Yuva, who uh, apparently for whatever reason I ended up in the uh, text message Mike and not the call button so i got to get that all squared away here but mike's going to be joining us momentarily and we'll talk with him about the nba getting set to get back after it and certainly uh touch on some of the uh, social issues as well that have been going on mike my man hope you've been doing good buddy what's up i've been doing well enjoying this little vacation time i have but back to work on thursday i hear you well first uh, it looks like the nba speaking of getting back to work is going to be getting back to work in late july with a potential conclusion to the season coming uh, in early September. And then word on the street is a shortened season next year as well, just from the standpoint of being in the business, covering sports over at Watch Fox 57 in the Midlands. I mean, how valuable is this to just uh, not just our sanity, but to society in general to get some, you know, big names back on the television. Well, I mean, think about it. In this state in particular, of course, football is king. We know how important baseball is too, but basketball is right up there as well. And it doesn't have to be just college basketball, professional basketball, uh, especially when you consider some of the names that have come out of South Carolina. And we know the guys that are in the NBA that have had pretty uh, pretty good uh, years this year. Now, who right. knows what's going to happen in the Western Conference with John Moran and Zion Williamson. But I think more than anything, I think being able to just have live sports back and that's no disrespect to nascar but that's not one of the big four and i'm going to sound like max kellerman i mean i'm going to consider hockey i know he took a shot at my nhl over here but you know when you think of the big four you're thinking nhl mlb nba and nfl so i think it's going to be very important to be able to have the nba back and i i'm very interested to see because i think leagues like the nfl can be able to see how things went you know, even though the season hasn't started for the NFL yet, they can look at, okay, what are what is the NBA doing in terms of some of the crowd noise, in terms of just some of the different camera angles that you might have the ability to show 
by not having fans in the crowd, if that is the case for the NFL season, at least at the start of the season. So right. I'm very interested to see, obviously, the product, but I'm also interested to see how that product is presented over the television. Mike Yuva, again, hanging out with us here on the program today. And, and this layoff, it seems to me, would be so um, beneficial to a guy like LeBron James, who's in his mid-30s. I, I, I can only imagine that he is just salivating to get back out there now that he's had a essentially, uh, you know, we talk about, um, you know, the what do they call it, where the players don't play. I can't remember, uh, like uh, load management, so to speak. I mean, this is the ultimate in load management. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting. But then I also think of this, though. I think of this. I think back, it was probably about a decade or so ago, and I know it's apples to oranges, but I look back to a couple of years ago when the Colts had one of their best seasons. And they had a couple extra weeks to be able to rest players up because they knew they were going to have that number one spot locked up. Well, what do they do? They essentially rest up their guys for about three weeks because they had that additional bye week. Okay. And what happened was the Colts went out there and they laid an egg. So everyone will be in the same situation here. I know it's not exactly the same. Uh, and a guy like LeBron James, we know what he's capable of doing. We know what the Lakers were capable of doing. I'm not worried about LeBron. I'm worried about the rest of his teammates how are they going to be able to respond so I think that's the biggest question is some of these teams who are playing so well we know Milwaukee was playing very well how does that affect the chemistry in terms of what they were doing uh, going into that stretch before we had this layoff so I'm very interested to just to see does that cause a funk because you know a lot of these guys yes they're starting to slowly get back into the gym but they're gonna have to get that stamina up and they have to also be able to go out there and shoot the basketball I mean just listening to Jalen Brown talk about it in Boston before having an opportunity to go down to the facility he wasn't able to shoot a basketball for over a month and a half two months so I mean how are these guys going to perform I mean yes they're professional athletes we understand that but at the same time too there is a reason not just with the NBA there's a reason why there is preseason how are these guys going to respond and will it look like the same product that it was before this period occurred in terms of this layoff that's a great point. Mike Yuva here with us on Clemson Sports Talk again. He works for Watch Fox 57 in the Midlands. And, and Mike, as we kind of begin to take our, our steps forward, you know, I, I've, I've, I've locked myself in on I'm, I'm doing this by a month-by-month basis. So where I was on June 1st versus where I'm going to be on July 1st stands to be significantly different. But I know in the state of Texas there have been conversations about per, – uh, potentially 50% in terms of the, the stadiums and, and the numbers that could be there. Uh, I don't know what that will end up looking like from coast to coast. And I know we've checked in with you several times on this front. What is the latest that you are hearing and, and what do you think it's going to look like in williams Bryce Stadium and in Death Valley potentially this season during the college football campaign? Well, just this past Friday, USC Athletic Director Ray Tanner during a a Board of Trustees meeting did say he feels more optimistic that day. He felt more optimistic that day about being able to have more fans in the stadium than he did in weeks past. Now, does that mean there's a set figure in place right now? Absolutely not. But I I think more than anything, it's just being able to go run those models. And and some people, and we may have brought this up before in the past, so I apologize for repeating this for, for some of the listeners that may have heard this before, but you keep hearing models. Clemson's talking about it too, all these colleges, and you're going to hear pro teams, models, 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 but especially college. But what that's taken into consideration isn't necessarily just the, the attendance, 
but it's also taken into the, the uh, consideration of how does that attendance affect our budget for other sports? How does that affect for football's budget, but also baseball? Because, look, USC and Clemson, we understand how popular they are for baseball programs, but both programs lose money. So you need to be able to make money somehow. And football, of course, is that big breadwinner. Uh, so they're trying to figure out everything they can because um, I'm, I'm sure Clemson's in the same boat because um, of athletic. Uh, you, you, uh, excuse me, Ray Tanner has talked about it before that you don't want to have to think about cutting teams at any point, but it's something that you got to bring up at some point if you have to go down that avenue. And I hope for both schools, I hope to God that we don't have to see that because um, we, we understand just how much sports at both programs, even if it's not a sport that's as, as mainstream as football. Uh, how much that means to a lot of those student athletes out there. But uh, I think the big thing is both schools, not just USC and Clemson, but we're going to see throughout the country, they're going to do everything they can to be able to get as many people in there, of course, safely, but because also they need to be able to get that money so they can fund other programs at their universities. Mike, we may have seen one of the more uh, incredible shifts, I would say, maybe in, in the sports landscape in the wake of, uh, everything that's going on in our our country right now, from George Floyd to uh, players, uh, you know, protesting and and letting their voices be heard, uh, teams marching for uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Dabo Sweeney's comments yesterday. We played those for our listeners earlier. In terms of the social side of this thing and the injustices that uh, have taken place for so many of our peers, contemporaries. Uh, athletes, uh, you know, just uh, fellow Americans, for that matter. Is this the most Mm -hmm. significant movement you've seen in your life from that standpoint? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think being able to talk to people of all different races and and ages, you know, this is something that it it just feels like it it feels like it's just different. It feels like it's different because and I think a large part of that has to do not with just the fact that this has continued to happen with police brutality and the injustice for black men and women, but I think because there's nothing really going on right now in the world because of this coronavirus. So you have so many people that have been indoors. And then, you know, South Carolina, of course, we're getting back to normal little by little, but there's a lot of places throughout the rest of this country that they're in a different phase right now. I know in Massachusetts, I know in New York, I know in L.A., they're where we were about a month ago. So they're slowly trying to, you know, get back to normal as well. So I think there's just, it gives people more time to be able to sit down and have those conversations and also be able to realize, Hey, you know what? There's nothing else going on right now in the world. Sports aren't going on. This is a big topic of discussion and people are able to have that conversation. I think that's very important as much as I love sports and as much as I truly, truly believe sports outside of maybe the military, it is one of the purest, purest things in life that can bring people of all races and genders together. But I also think that it's not a bad thing right now to be able to have sports on the back burner because it does allow us to, to focus more on a subject like this that is very important and has obviously gone on for decades. And hopefully we are heading in that direction where we can finally be able to fix some of those issues that we've had for just so, so long and, and way too long. Mike, you've uh, again here each and every Tuesday chatting it up with us on the show that shakes the Southland. And and Mike, you know, when you look at uh, the potential of you know, what these young men have, Dabo Sweeney said in his statement yesterday, and I thought this was so important. And I think this is, you know, when I, I talk about this program a lot of how they achieve the level of success that they've had 
and how they got there. And I often talk about the players that they recruit and the guys that they bring in. But Dabo Sweeney said this, and I don't know that I've ever heard him say this, at least maybe not in this respect. He said when he got the, the job as the head coach, he wanted to create not a football program, but a player relations program. And it's about the Paul journey and the things that these guys do while they're in school, after they're in school, if they play football professionally, if they don't, to create, quote, generational change. I'm beginning to believe that even though Dabo Sweeney continues to be hit by some national media members for, quote, unquote, maybe not saying enough, um, mm-hmm. the standards that he has in place, they ha- it has changed you know, generations of young men now for over a decade. And I, and I look at that, I look at that and I think that's, that's it's so important because I look at what Frank Martin's doing over here and it's not exactly the same, of course, wins and losses wise, because we know what Dabo Sweeney has been able to do. Dabo Sweeney right up there with Nick Saban right now is the greatest college football coach in the game. Frank Martin speaks on volumes about that, being able to take care of these players 10 years after their game cocks. Right. And Dabo Sweeney, that's what he's been, you know, Dabo has been able to do that, and he speaks volumes of that. And, and I think it's so important because, you know, I, I had that conversation last week with uh, Eric Salato, who is the uh, father of the, the newly committed wide receiver for uh, Clemson, uh, Troy. And I, I've known the Salatos for about a decade. And he talked about just that relationship that, Troy was able to build with Dabo and being able to have that conversation that Wednesday night, uh, a couple of days prior to his commitment, when he was FaceTiming him with and, and told Dabo, Hey, I'm going to, I'm all in, I'm going to be a Clemson tiger and just those connections. So, you know, look, the recruiting process in a lot of ways, I mean, it doesn't even matter if it's division one goes all the way down to division three. It is a, a salesman business. You're, you're like a salesman. You have to be able to present the school, but it, once you get there, for a lot of schools that I've talked to that I've been part of sometimes too, you see just the switch sometimes when you right. get there and they don't view it the same way. It's going to happen because when you come in, now they have you, but there's a way to be able to do it the right and wrong way. And I remember just from college seeing my freshman year compared to my senior year when we had a new head coach and just how the way he handled things were so different and being able to have that relationship with a coach well off, well after your playing days is so important. And I think, you know, a lot of coaches want to be able to sell that to a player, but it's really tough to follow up on that because you really have to be a man of your word. And I think Dabo has done just that. On Twitter, he's at Mike underscore UVA. And Mike, I think the other thing too that we often forget to a degree is how young Trevor Lawrence still is. I mean, this is a guy in between his sophomore and his junior year in college. He's accomplished a, a tremendous amount during his time there in college. But when you see the things that he posts on social media and the things that he says, if I'm an NFL GM, I'm looking at this guy and I'm going, okay, this is a kid that's got his head on straight. Do you get that vibe when you see the way he's handled some of the recent uh, events from the fundraiser for COVID-19 to the Black Lives Matter movement, et cetera? Absolutely. Absolutely, because when you talk about it in terms of being able to go into the room and be able to de- demand respect, you know, that, that's a position that you need everyone to be all bought in on. You can't just have a guy be like, all right, he's the quarterback. It doesn't matter if he's a rookie or first-year guy. You need to be able to go out there, and you, you need to be able just to be able to get the room to buy into you. 
we know what he's like you said we know what he's capable of doing on the field these last couple months i think the people that have had the opportunity to be able to cover him they've seen it but it just doesn't get covered as much i mean there's a reason why the south carolina uh hall of fame football hall of fame will be honoring him coming up soon for what he's been doing as a um, in the community and that was before everything else that he's been doing these last couple of months he does so much in the community and he's being very vocal now on social media when this is a time period it is very difficult to especially for for a 20 something year old kid to do that but he also sees it as hey you know what right now going into this season i'm not just the face of clemson football i'm the face of college football right now yeah and if i can be able to use my platform for good just think about what message that sends down that trickle down effect not just to his teammates but to other players out there and other non-football people out there as well you know people that don't play football so uh, I, I think I think what he's doing right now obviously is helping out tremendously in terms of his stock, but I think he's doing so much good uh, beyond that away from the field as well. On Twitter, he's at Mike underscore UVA, and he was nominated as Columbia's best sports caster. And you can go over there on Twitter and vote for him right now if you want to. Uh, I don't even know who else is in the mix, but Mike, man, that's big time, bro. Congrats. No, I appreciate it. It's been a, it's been a fun year, and you know, honors, recognition they they come with with the business. If you're fortunate to to be in it for a while, but um, you know, I think I'm just more fortunate to be able to to have a platform to be able to work at Watch, and I appreciate you having me on to be able to talk some sports up in Clemson, so in the Greenville area as well. So it's 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 been a fun sports year. When I say sports year, I think back to last football season of course it really hasn't been too busy these last couple months for us yeah i think columbia's got me on the uh, show they'd like to run out of town being the clemson show but that's all right we'll get we'll get by <laughs> mike good. be good brother you take care all right man mike yuva hanging out with us here on clemson sports talk this afternoon 803 four five oh zero zero eighty six uh 803-450- 0086. Again, yeah, best of Columbia. Mike Yuva, best sportscaster. Do they do a best? I mean, that's different than what I do, right? I'm not a sportscaster, am I? I would think that would be like Mike Yuva, uh, maybe Rick Henry. I mean, those are sportscasters because they're on the newscast. Um, I I am a, a radio show host. With a sports radio? Is there a sports radio category? I need people to vote. I don't think I'm on the list. Vote anyway. <laughs> write it. Write me in. Local media. Here we go. I'm just taking a, a gander. Best anchor person. Best radio station. Best radio personality. This is an outrage. I'm not on this list. Jonathan Rush. 97.5 WCOS. What a, what an outrage. Best local media influencer. I'm not even there. Oh, no, 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 no. This is, I am not standing for that anymore. Free Times newspaper. I will not be silent any longer on this front, folks. I got to be the best local social media influencer. Who is Brittany Matthews? The promotion lady. We can't have this, people. <laughs> 803-450-0086. I got to do some digging here. What is this stuff? 
Mm. Very, very interesting. But congratulations to Mike Uva. Again, he's on Twitter at Mike underscore UVA. You can go vote for him for the best sportscaster uh, in the Midlands, and it's always good uh, to get some time to catch up with him. You know, the college football season, again, it's continuing. It looks like it is looming, and Clemson continues to be a team that everybody talks about uh, as the team to beat. We mentioned Justin Ross going out last week, but I'll tell you what, if there's a team that trips the Tigers up this year, who do you think it would be on their schedule in the regular season? Shoot us a text with your answer, 803-450-0086. We'll touch on that when we get back. The show that shakes the Southland, Clemson Sports Talk, Lawton Swan. Okay, so before I get to the team that could beat Clemson, by the way, you could text us 803 450 I got <laughs> I got some heat with the free times here. Because I gotta say, the best local social media influencer, the first three people on the list, I couldn't even find them on Twitter. Now, you might say, yeah, but Swanee, they're an influencer on, they're on Instagram, my man. Okay, great. Well, there's a category for best local Instagram of which one of them is on already. Don't even, don't at me, don't at me free times. Best local media influencer. What do I have to do, like start peddling, I don't know. The, the the latest uh, line of fashion for the fall season. Is that what the Clemson Sports Talk Twitter handles going to have to turn into to get myself on the free times voting list? I can't figure it out. Best local tweeter. Not even on that list. Man, we got we got a ways to go. Gotta love the free times putting themselves in the best local website category. <laughs> that's like that's like me giving giving uh, Rob Sanders the uh, Swanee Award for the best lead-in show. <laughs> like, no kidding. Oh man, there actually there actually is competition this year though, thanks to our markets over in Florence and Manning. So, Rob, you better tighten up your tighten up your program a little bit. Because uh, there's competition this year, brother. 803-450-0086. That's your text line if you want to talk to us about uh, the team most likely uh, to knock off the Clemson Tigers this year. And we're getting ready to get into some of the comprehensive uh, looks at the schedule and, and the way things lay out. Now, I really like to break down a 12-game regular season into uh, blocks of four. Four games out of the gate four games in the middle and the four games uh, on the back end. But I I don't think there's any denying the fact that that night game in Notre Dame on NBC, a 7.30 kickoff in South Bend, uh, is one of those games that, one, you know you're squaring up with a solid opponent 
but number two, you are going to be in an unfamiliar environment. You're going to be, uh, at that point, potentially affected by what could be affected by the weather conditions, uh, you know, on and on and on. All of the factors, like in this entire season of the 12 games, that Notre Dame game sticks out like a sore thumb by comparison uh, to everything else that you've really got to deal with. Strictly from the standpoint of a quality opponent on the road, a hostile environment, weather conditions, night game, uh, you know, and, and too, I'll, I'll add this: being that it's a game scheduled for November the seventh, you are at the point in the season where a loss can be detrimental enough to not be able to work your way back in. Now, scratch that for a second and recognize the fact that it is a non-conference game, you could still very much end up winning the Atlantic Coast Conference, playing in a conference championship game, getting that last weekend boost, and getting into the playoffs. If anything, I think that is a game that Clemson could lose and still get in the playoffs. I don't know along the way if there's another one of those. Now, even with a new head coach in town, Florida State, October the 10th, on the road, Tallahassee, Florida. You know, I talked to a good buddy who lives down in the the state of Florida earlier this week, and the thing that you have to continue to understand about that Florida State program, is that even when it was down and has been down in recent years, with Norvell coming in there and trying to you know refresh that thing, they, their mindset is what your mindset, Tiger Nation, was six, seven, eight, ten years ago when you couldn't quite get there. There was always this big hurdle of Florida State in your way. And, and their thought process is, okay, We've got to figure out how to knock Clemson off again. And then when we do that, we can start preparing for the same level of success that we once had. Now, I don't think it says as much maybe about Florida State. I don't think it says as much maybe about Florida State uh, as it does perhaps about some of the other teams that Clemson's got on their schedule this year. But I would put a road game, you know, depending on how Florida State's doing at that point in the season, uh, could influence whether or not it's a night game, and that's always a, a bit of a factor. I think Clemson's got them outclassed currently in terms of recruiting. But outside of Notre Dame, they're arguably, I think if you went heads up and down Clemson's opponents this year, the Seminoles are probably one of the top programs in terms of what they've recruited. Now they didn't they didn't coach them up in the latter stages of Jimbo Fisher's time there, and uh, we know what it looked like most recently as well. Uh, kind of following, you know the 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 way their program uh, has maneuvered, but you know. 
Marvin Wilson, who we mentioned earlier in the week because of his stance to stand up against his new head coach, uh, obviously uh, has a voice in that locker room because you know they kind of had to cower down to, to that respect and say, okay, we're going to you know, fix this. And what Coach Norvell said wasn't true. But I was trying to pull up Florida State's schedule real quick. They open with West Virginia. They take on Sanford, Boise State, and North Carolina State. I mean, there's honestly no reason to think that they couldn't be undefeated heading into that game against Clemson, which they'll host. That could make that a marquee night game nationally, adding a little bit more, uh, a little bit more punch to the Seminoles. But that Notre Dame game, clear cut, toughest matchup for the Tigers, in my opinion. All right, you want to talk about having a little panic attack there. Uh, the whole system crashed on me during the break. I barely got it up. I'm pretty sure something got messed up in the uh, in getting things back up. But we're here. Like, I, I feel I feel okay. At least I, I'm, I'm back on. Uh, I hope. I better check. Yeah, just, uh, man, the perils are doing it. But you know what? Here's, here's the thing in fairness, and, and this is true. I, I, I give some grief to the fact that I am doing the show from home, which I really love and enjoy. <laughs> but um, things like this do happen in studio, too. So it's not as if this is the end of the world. I mean, there have been power outages and things of that nature uh, that have happened for me in the past. But I do just want to double check. I can tell we're up at, look, at, well, maybe maybe we're up on Facebook. I'm not even sure. But i got to worry more about the radio side of things than anything else. The hardest part is uh, when something does uh, go wrong is being able to you know, make sure that you get it all squared away and and back up uh, while talking. I think that's probably uh, the most difficult thing. So there we go. Okay. All right. So we did. It sounded, it sounded atrocious. But your boy got back at it and, and got back in it. Now, back to what I was saying a few minutes ago about uh, the ACC and and Clemson and, and you know, just their schedule along the way, you know, Willie Taggart did a decent job recruiting and got some talent there at Florida State. And that's why I think that, you know, they have to become a a, a unique squad to square up and, and think about facing simply from the standpoint of there's there is talent in Tallahassee, Florida, and it's a road game. And they have a chance looking at their schedule to possibly be undefeated coming into that game. That'll be their fifth game of the season. That'll be Clemson's sixth game of the year. Uh, Florida State, I believe, has a bye the week uh, before they take on Clip. No, they have a bye the week before they take on NC State. So, uh, still, I think that's those teams. Again, Clemson can overpower and overmatch everybody pretty much in their schedule. But I think it's Notre Dame one and Florida State two, really challenging them. Uh, Virginia's interesting for me. I, I got to do some more research on the boys from uh, from Charlottesville, but you know Bronco Mendenhall uh, has shockingly, I think, surprised a lot of people with uh, the success that he had uh, at Virginia. 
uh, last year. And so from that standpoint, I, I'm open to the conversation about what you know, their football program could be this year. But I, I still think top to bottom, uh, the best roster you're going to see is Notre Dame and then probably Florida State. But, yeah, I mean, from Clemson's standpoint, you know, losing Justin Ross was a big deal. Most teams, if they lose to Justin Ross, it's extremely detrimental. But Clemson is just stacked talent on top of talent on top of talent. And so you, you feel good not only about your, your depth, but you feel good about the fact that you know even if you have a guy that gets banged up along the way, uh, outside of, I would say, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's, he's the straw that stirs the drink. And, you know, when, when you looked at Clemson and their offense for so many years, whether it was under Deshaun Watson, whether it was under Taj Boyd, you know, a, a lot of times there may not have been what you would label the most capable backups behind them. Now, that on the surface sounds probably pretty brutal to a guy like Kelly Bryant, who we talked about yesterday leading Clemson to the college football playoff. Um, and, and maybe Bryant would be uh, the best case. But I'm thinking about it, like looking at Cole Stout, you know, and thinking, oh, there's your next guy up. Uh, Nick Schusler. But now I think even minus Chase Bryce, there's a belief from what you've seen from Tyson Pumachan, what's believed from a guy like DJ Uyongalale, that Clemson's backup quarterbacks are more talented and more sought after than some of those other guys were. And so that's something I think you absolutely have to keep in your mind when you look at these things from that standpoint. It is... Again, a circumstance of uh, Clemson's built a, a program that has surrounded talent with talent. And who that next man up is behind Trevor Lawrence, I don't think we really know. But he's probably still, even with the talent behind him, the one guy that if you told me, Swanee, he's going to be out for a while. It goes back to that Syracuse game. I mean, it really does. It goes back to that Syracuse game a couple of years ago that we talked about that played this past weekend, thanks to the guys at JMI Sports and our buddy Mark Childress and uh, Pronk Studios, that program that they put together that really focused on uh, the the ins and the outs of, of Clemson's comeback win over Syracuse in Death Valley minus Trevor Lawrence. But if that had to be an extended deal, if teams had time to get ready for – uh, for a, for a guy like um, like Chase Bryce, I don't know how that season plays out over the next couple of games. Even if Clemson comes out of there with a victory, in this scenario, I think the backup and backups plural form are potentially capable of doing exactly what Trevor Lawrence did when Kelly Bryant left the program. Which is, if Lawrence were to get hurt, I think the two guys behind him good enough to navigate the majority of this schedule, especially if they have time to prep, because I think they're better than Chase Bryce was. And Chase Bryce has a chance to be a pretty good quarterback this year and next two seasons, really, at Duke. But I think they're better. You know, These are the two most capable backup quarterbacks. 
I think we thought Hunter Johnson would be. That hasn't translated at Northwestern. Uh, Zarek Cooper, I don't know if you were ever really sold on him. I don't know that I was or necessarily wasn't. I thought there, I thought he kind of had the look and the build of a of a Deshaun Watson from an athleticism standpoint, but did not have the accuracy. I think Tyson Pumachon fits in that mold as well, but uh, maybe even a little bit more accurate, uh, honestly, than Zarek Cooper. So lots to see over the next uh, you know few months in the course of the summer. But right now, Clemson probably minus a starter here or there is still better than the majority of the teams that line up in front of them. And if it's Trevor Lawrence that gets banged up for a game or two or three, I think they can survive that as well. Fair question. Just don't lose sight of the bigger picture. Don't forget history. Lucky for us at Clemson, the answer to the questions, what have you done for me lately, and what have you done always, are the same. We win. of the show that shakes the Southland on a Tuesday afternoon. Kind of a strange Tuesday with that whole shutdown of the internet there a minute ago threw me off. I hope everything went well uh, in all of our markets. I think we got it all squared away, though. Uh, Ex-NFL player uh, TJ Hushmanzada says that defensive linemen will try to injure Drew Brees uh, this season. And that comes from and stems from the, the comments that Drew Brees made about uh, being disrespectful to the flag by kneeling. And uh, Houston Zada said the apology, in my opinion, was PR, and he had to do that. He might have felt in his heart that he had made a mistake, but I don't know Drew Brees personally. There's going to be a ton of guys who are just never going to get um, – that are never going to go all in with Brees because of that comment. And a lot of those comments were made speaking with Doug Gottlieb today. Uh, again, TJ Houston Zada, the former Cincinnati Bengal, uh, making comments on uh, that front. And, you know, again, I, I think that uh, this is a very tough subject because, as I've said, I think it is incredibly uh, important for all of us. I think it is incredibly important um to you know deal with these things moving forward from a, a compassion standpoint 
and in understanding that it is difficult sometimes, no, all the time, I think it is difficult to see things from other people's perspectives. And, and that's where I, I think we have to get better. We have to get better on that front. From being more willing to say, you know what? I believe, you know, if you're an NFL player, you, you're being willing to say, you know what? I believe that uh, Drew Brees' apology is, is uh, yeah, enough. And should stand on its own merit. And he's willing to say, I made a mistake. Like, at some point, and that's what I think is so tough about these things, is we draw these clear-cut lines. And the reality is, we have to put down walls and listen and, and understand that people are flawed. And they make mistakes. And they can even say things they don't mean, but it's not perhaps out of an ill will as much as a misunderstanding or not even getting their entire point across when they say something because of the way a question is phrased or whatever. And I'm not trying to make an excuse for Drew Brees. To me, this is bigger than bigger than that. This is getting across the message of if we are going to move forward, we have to do it together. And when mistakes are made on either side of this argument or in the middle of this argument, that can't be what forces us further apart. It just can't be. Because you can't come together while walking away from one another. And so I you know in, in in all honesty what would be nice would be to have somebody you know people come out and say hey you know what I appreciate and I know there've been guys that have done this. I appreciate what Drew Brees, you know, what his apology was and I understand that he can't see things the way that I've seen it because he hasn't really walked in my shoes. But I appreciate the fact that he recognizes um, my concerns. And and that's really, like I said yesterday, you don't have to be, you know, being pro-Black Lives Matter does not mean you are anti-police officers. Those that that's that's an argument that people want to put in there to divide us. You can be both. You can be pro uh, Black Lives Matter and bringing that awareness, like Dabo Sweeney mentioned earlier, and also be for the positive things that the police do in our communities. In the service that they give us all. In the hopes that we can minimize and eliminate the, the, the bad apples. It's a small few. I am certain. I feel certain telling you it's a small few. And I just like I feel like with the, 
protest. It's a small few people who are wanting to, to riot and, and do things that you don't agree with. It's a small few. You can't, we cannot let a few bad apples in our lives uh, be the determining factor in how we feel about each other and what we can do for each other. Come together. Don't walk apart. We need to be together on this. Incredibly, two hours in the books. We'll be back tomorrow on a Wednesday. Until then, as always, y'all take care now. And go Tigers!